0: when a lot of other people probably thought I was just a lost cause and it was too late, but I would encourage you to be uncomfortable, to, to step outside of what you think that you want in this foster care thing that you're looking into. If you are a Christian and you're listening, you've already been instructed by the Lord and God's word on what what's something that you're supposed to do.
1: Welcome everyone to Bringing Kids Home, a TBHC foster care and adoption production. I'm Kristen, TBHC's outreach and communications admin. We are excited you're joining us today to hear stories of adoption and how any one of us, including you, can make a difference in a child's life. Today's podcast is sponsored by Imagination Learning Center. They nurture children with a positive environment, focus on creativity, education, and self-confidence, and share our faith in God. Find out more at www.imaginationcenter.com. We are grateful to Imagination for supporting today's stories. Now stick around and hear how stories of faith and family help bring kids home.
2: Hi everyone, I'm Jamie Hogan, Vice President of TBHC Foster Care and Adoption. I'm so glad you're with us today. My guest today is Jessica Coughlin. She grew up in Waxahachie and currently lives in Rockwall, Texas with her husband, John, and her three-year-old son, I'm excited to explore Jessica's story with you today. I have known Jessica since she was 13 years old. Her story is one of resiliency and redemption. She joins us today furthering TBHC's mission and hoping to encourage and bring awareness for youth who were in foster care, are currently in foster care, or have aged out of foster care. Jessica, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. So preparing for today, I learned something that I didn't know about you. I learned something new that you love to coupon. And so I wanted to know, are you like an extreme couponist or are you just like one of those? I just want to save a little bit of money. Where are you on that spectrum?
0: I am not an extreme couponer. I um, I really just want to save money and try not to pay full price. So I do <laughs> a, a little bit. I have a toddler so time is limited but I do what I can but definitely enjoy trying to save
2: as much money as possible. Do you have like a system for that for your
0: yeah I just just it's kind of like a filing system um so I I try to be as organized as possible but I don't buy a bunch of unnecessary things like you see on tv so
2: yeah. (laughs) Do you have like any the best deal that you've ever gotten that you've ever gotten from couponing?
0: I got a, uh, so also work, I also work in clearance sections and stuff. And I remember getting a brand new uh, baby changing table for $10. Really? So mixed with a furniture coupon and then clearance and just watching the sales
2: and stuff.
1: Yeah,
0: that was probably my best, I would say, get in couponing and saving money. So that's great.
2: Okay. Well, um, let's talk about today. Let's um, talk about, you have a special relationship to TBHC. So why don't you tell us what your connection is?
0: I first came to Texas Baptist home, which I'm sorry, I'm probably going to say it wrong because TBHC is the newer name for me. Um, So at one point, you know, it was Texas Baptist home. And for me, I still call it the home because that's, I grew up there. And so I first came To your agency when I was a freshman in high school. Um, So I entered foster care after um, my family essentially just couldn't care for us anymore. Um, my, My biological parents had died when I was younger. My dad died when I was three. My mom died when I was 10. And biological family could no longer care for us after they tried for a couple of years and got into some trouble um, through just acting out and having some behaviors and ended up in foster care. And I'll always remember walking into the Waxhachie campus uh, for the first time. I can still remember it to this day. Uh, and so I lived with a foster family there and then um, left for a little bit over the summer uh, between my freshman and sophomore year and then came back to live on campus. Um, Beginning of my sophomore year of high school, and stayed. Uh, I stayed for three years until I turned eighteen and aged out of foster care. Um, so for me, the Texas Baptist Home the (TBHC) as it's now called) is is home. When I come on campus, um, memories flood me. And you know, I was telling the people yesterday that I can walk into the office and you know, there's Christmas party memories and there's, you know, all the various memories, but that was my kind of first encounter with your agency.
2: And, and you and I have a special (laughs) relationship there because you were one of my first teenagers on my foster care caseload. So it's great to see you and how you've walked this journey of your life. So tell me um, a little bit, what happened after foster care? Like, so, you graduated high school, and then what happened?
0: So, when I first graduated high school, I attempted to go to college. Um, I went to Jacksonville Baptist for a semester, and, um, you know, I was an adult at that point, which, to be honest, I feel like aging out was actually harder than being in foster care because I, the way I always explain it is in the foster care world, you have all of these people in your life, you have multiple caseworkers, you have foster parents, you have therapists, you have CASA workers, you have all of these people who are meeting about you and talking to you and meeting about you. And you know all of the conversation is happening and then you leave foster care and it suddenly goes quiet. It was very quiet and very lonely for a long time. And you suddenly have to work through, I'm an adult, I don't have all of these people guiding me through every step, you know, telling me how much money to save or not save or what to spend things on. And so um I at one point became homeless. Um was living, um staying on friends' couches, which is a very high statistic for teen to age out of care, um, is becoming homeless. Um, you know, there were moments where I was hungry. I didn't always have money to buy food or Things like that, and so I worked. Um, I ended up working full time, uh, going to school part time. School was always a goal of mine. I can remember even when I was in foster care, some of the counseling sessions I would have was about dreaming about what I wanted to be someday. And I'm sure you know every other counseling session, it was a new, it was a new goal, it was a new dream, you know. And it, because I knew the possibilities were endless, and I wanted to go to college, and so um, work worked full-time went to school part-time and um eventually got my degree it took me 12 years but i was persistent and pushed through and um ended up you know working full-time the whole time but um it's still really hard when you leave foster care you have to really you begin to also still work through a lot of the trauma that you went through and grieving you know what should have been um, you know, I got married during that time um, in my early 20s. And, and, you know, when I turned 30, I we adopted a child. And so there's still grief from, you know, the fact that my parents weren't there. So it's just, it's a lifelong process, the trauma and working through that. But um, immediately after leaving was probably the hardest, when I hit the lowest points of feeling like no one cared, and I was unwanted even more so than when I was in foster care.
2: You use the word persistent, and I think that's a very accurate word because you were very persistent in yes. going to school. But you worked so hard to stay afloat and be independent. I mean, you were probably the the most persistent kid I've seen to try to reach your goals. Talk to me us about you now. You had siblings that we're still in care. And so can you kind of touch on that? Because I know y'all weren't in the same home together. So I think it's important for people to hear that aspect because siblings do get split up in foster care.
0: Yes. So I have a younger brother and a younger sister and we were split up um, in foster care. There were periods of time I mean, I would go six months sometimes without seeing them. I will say TBHC worked really hard to get us all on campus. Um, And so that did make a huge difference um, while I was in foster care. But once I left, um, you know, they were about two hours away. And so I actually did not see my siblings or have a lot of contact um, after I left foster care. Um, You know, they actually ended up moving away from TBHC to a kinship placement. Once I graduated, and so um, the the contact, the bond between us is one of the strongest to this day. However, um, not having contact also, I think, made that even harder when I left foster care. Um, and talking to them now, because they were still, you know, my sister was a freshman in high school when I graduated, and so she still had four years left to finish. And so talking, I, you know, I've taught, we've talked about it and, um, I know that it was hard on them as well to not have that frequent contact and that bond, you know, the biological connection is so strong. And so, um, and there's just a loyalty and bond that I, I really don't know that I could fully put into words, um, the connection we have. And, um, it's definitely one that I think should always be supported when it's safe and healthy and, um, yeah, it's just siblings are so important, so, so important.
2: What do you think contributed to, um, to your experience of being in foster care? Like that transition period between, you know, I'm a teen in foster care, but then I'm transitioning and, and aging out. I mean, you had the will and the persistency for that, but what, do you, what other factors do you think contributed to that?
0: So I think some of it is I um, when I was a little girl, I have this memory of being, I don't know, I was probably seven, eight, nine. My mom was still alive, so I know that it was before I was 10. And um, I remember just having this conversation with God. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, you were so young. How do you know? And I remember just... Praying to God and asking, does life always have to be this hard? Does it always have to be this rough? And I remember the overwhelming amount of peace that came over me. And it was as though I got this big, ginormous hug, and he said, No, life does not always have to be this hard, and it isn't always going to be. And so, um, but I did not know what was going to happen in my life at that point. I had no idea what was about to come and the trials and challenges I was going to face. And I can remember. Then later on, when I was in foster care, I was not the easiest teen. I don't think any teenager is easy, but um I think if you were to go back and talk to my old foster parents, they would definitely have some stories for you. I mean, I still am in touch with them and we still we laugh nowadays about some of the things that I did, but um I was so angry and so I did not know how to regulate my emotions. I never learned and so. I remember even then when I was at TVHC, I had a will to like try, I wanted to get better. And I remember being it's so hard because trying to overcome things that you don't know how to do is really, really hard. And so I think just initially having TVHC stick it out with me for those three years from sophomore to senior year um, was one of the first things that helped me. Having someone who said, yes, this child, this teenager, is exhibiting all of these really hard behaviors that, on paper, looked horrible. But having someone be consistent in my life and show up every day and say, "We love you, despite of your behaviors, and we see you trying," makes the world of difference. Um, so, any for any foster parents listening, I would just encourage them with that and that the day to day is the days are long, <laughs> the days are so long, but. Um, the work that you're doing is so, so vital. Um, But when I left foster care, I just had a drive to, to, to succeed. And so I actually did stay at one point. She did have a, I think it was an independent living program is the name. Um, So I did, you guys again, supported me in that. You were there for that. Um, And I was able to really get on my feet during that time um, staying in the, the, the housing that you had, Um, and so it's, I mean, TBHC has really been a consistent in my life, whether it was in foster care or right after, Um, you know, I, it took a couple years for me to come back to you guys, but I did, Um, and then I would also say, um, church, that was a really consistent thing, so I continued to go to the church, um, it was in Red Oak, but, um, continued to go to church, so I think having that support was helpful, Um, and then slowly but surely finding friends who, creating a community for myself, and realizing the importance of community is what helped me push through, Um, and then later on, my husband, my now husband, was a huge support. Um, I met him when I was 21, and we got married right before I turned 25, and so those those few years when I was still finishing school, I mean, he became my family. And so he was um, after I left TVHC Independent Living Program, um, you know, was on my own and then I met him and he became, he became a big support. So I think it looked different at various stages of how I was able to push through the support I got.
2: And your siblings are very um successful too. Like yes, they, they went through their own journey, but
0: they are very successful adults. Yeah, adult yeah. I think some of it is we all, I contributed to my mom a little bit. She had an amazing work ethic. And, um, you know, I know that she wasn't always a healthy person, but that is one thing that I remember is her working multiple jobs to care for us. And I think that it is possible for children, even if their biological parents aren't considered healthy them still to get some really amazing attributes from them and um, that's something that I've always been proud of knowing that that probably came from her and so something that I've kind of held on to as her memory you know living I mean it's been 23 years now but um, and I've done more life without her than I have done that I did with her but um, seeing her work that way and wanting to provide for herself definitely played an impact on me as a kid.
3: Hi, I'm Laurie Henthorne, Donor Engagement Manager at TBHC Foster Care and Adoption. Did you know that there are over 6,000 children waiting for adoption in Texas today? And did you know that there are only about 1,000 willing foster adoptive homes licensed and available to them? These children are coming from hard places and are needing a place to heal. We at TBHC strive to provide homes where they'll feel safe and loved and where they can begin their healing process. What if you could play a part in changing these statistics? TBHC depends on people like you to help change the course of these children's lives. You could open your heart and home to them. Or you could come alongside them and help provide for the parents' training or for specialized therapy for a child through your financial support. We invite you to visit our website, tbhc.org, to find out more about us, hear inspiring stories and ways to pray for TBHC families, and to find out how you can be a part of Bringing kids home—that's a meaningful tribute to
2: her. <laughs> what, what do you think? Why is it important that you share your story? Because I know, um, you kind of have taken this on as an advocacy, and you, you've done articles and um, done interviews and stuff like that. Um, kind of explain why you feel it's important to share your story.
0: I feel that it's important to share my story for a couple reasons, but. I firmly stand behind and it's very similar to TBHC's mission, but um, the church plays a very large role or should play a very large role in the foster care and adoption world. And um, for me, one of the biggest things that I gained from foster care is a relationship with Christ. And um I want to, my my hope is that my story of, you know, being defined as successful, having aged out of care, encourages foster parents, because I know the work that they do is hard, I know that it is not easy, Um, and sometimes they probably wonder in the day-to-day, is is what I'm doing making a difference, is what I'm doing going to impact anything, and I would beg to say that I think that it makes generational impacts. A perfect example of that is that I, um, so I was actually, I came to know Jesus um, on a Wednesday night, and my mom died the next Sunday, and I really struggled with who God was and understanding and reconciling all of that at the age of 10 and 11 and 12, Um, and then my family essentially saying, we can't care for you. But in a child's eyes, that seeing is being unwanted. And, um, but Christian foster parents, having being surrounded at the end of my teen years, being surrounded by Christians and being told to who I am in God and being poured into in a spiritual way made the difference. Because when I left foster care, there were challenges and the statistics that face teens are great. But I firmly believe because I had the armor of God wrapped around me when I left that I was capable of overcoming anything that he knew was coming um, and all of those challenges. And so, um, you know, it's like I have I've really been talking to God lately about how to help people understand, um, you know, because it's really hard for people who aren't in the foster care world to understand how how you could end up in this place. And so, and I had, you know, I was praying the other day and God revealed this to me. And he said, and this is what he shared with me. He said, it's almost like, think about your biological children. And as a parent now, my biggest hope for my son is that he would come to know the Lord and that he would fear him and that he would know that Jesus is um, his savior and that he needs him. I think that's our biggest hope. For all of our kids, they can go on to do whatever career they want, but like that is, as Christians, that is our hope. So now imagine that that is your hope, and you're suddenly not here. And you have well intended plans, and you have all the guardianship papers and all of the things, but what if those plans fail because you now no have longer have control? And there are people who say, Oh, that won't happen, but the reality is that's what happened to me. Well intent my mom's well intended plans fell through. And we ended up in foster care. So now knowing that I'm a parent now, wouldn't your hope then be if your well-intended plans fell apart, wouldn't it be that a Christian family would come in and care for your child and show them who Jesus is? And at the end of the day, your biggest hope, even if you were no longer here, might still come true. And so for me, that's what I want people to hear is that foster parenting and work, you know, being trauma informed and all the trainings and all of that is so important. But sharing the gospel with children who otherwise have seen horrible things that are unimaginable sometimes. And, and there are children's stories who are worse than mine. But you, but we give them hope, and that's Jesus. And so that's why I share because I want to encourage Christian foster parents to see what an impact it made in my life. Um, and an internal impact it made it not just didn't get me through the hard times it's it made an internal impact and even and then to even further that is um, when I talk about generational impacts is my son is adopted the story there and if his story is not mine to share however adoption is placed on my heart one because I lived in foster care but then also because now I'm a Christian and I am called to care for children in foster care and children who whose mothers and fathers are wanting and choosing life and choosing for and saying I you know maybe I can't parent this child right now but you know would you step in and so um his life is now impacted because of the impact that my foster parents and TBHC had on me and so that's what I mean when I say generational is it's not just stopping with me. It's, and, and it's not just stopping with the foster child in your home. It's you, you don't know the impacts you're going to have down the road. I mean, isn't that the point? We don't really know all the years later, the impacts that our actions will have, but my hope in sharing my story is that people see that they see what the impacts are and encourage them to continue on the
2: journey that they're on Absolutely. I think that's a beautiful example of that. And I, I I, think it's a great way to ask Christians to step up, you know, yeah, step absolutely. up and get out of your comfort zone. And this isn't about just having a comfortable life. It's about living out the gospel and, and let's yeah. have these kids. Um, let's make an impact generationally. That's Yeah, absolutely. And I would just say, add to that probably is if you don't have to be a foster parent
0: you can support foster parents, you can support youth who've aged out, you can, there's so many different areas, um, you know, because people will often say, well, I don't feel called to do that, and um, you know, it's like I consistently say the need is the call, and so oh, yeah. we, we have to step up, and there's many ways, it can, different ways it can look.
2: Oh yeah, and they can support an agency just through donations for Yes, um, yes, or volunteer, help wrap all those presents. Christmas. that's right <laughs> mm-hmm. we always need that or um, back to school time or, yes you know, school supplies, um or just um summer planning so that they can yeah. have some more fun to go during the summer yes absolutely that's great all right well what what piece of advice would you give a uh, youth that's in care because you know we usually the, those teenagers are hard for any yes. teenager, but usually when they're they're ready to turn eighteen, they are they're tired of the system, and um they need to transition, and they still don't have all the supports just yet um, to just take it on their own. What piece of advice would you give a kid that is in that spot?
0: I would say don't be willing to just run away from foster care. Um, to pause and really reflect on what you want your next moves to be. Like, yes, you are in charge of your life and where you want it to go, but um, to really tap into benefits that are out there and know what they are, and um, really set yourself up for success. And that getting help in that process does not make you weak. In fact, it's only going to set you up for you to be stronger and more successful. Um, and that it is possible for you to be a positive statistic. You, you don't have to be a negative statistic. And um, so I would just encourage you not to make rash decisions and, and lean on those people that you, you are able to and that you feel support you and um,
2: yeah, that's what I would say. Great. Okay, so on the other spectrum, um, if there's a couple that is exploring being foster parents, Um, You know, it is hard to find those foster parents willing to take teenagers what what word of advice would you give to people that are exploring the opportunity to become foster parents.
0: Um, I would say that teens are not as scary as you think we are. Um, That files and things that get written in files, um, you have to remember. are not always all contexts. They don't provide the full spectrum of that person and the identity of that child or teen. Um, and that to remember that it's not personal, um, that this child or teen is probably going through things they don't understand or know how to articulate. Um, and so that you can be a safe place. And, you know, I know oftentimes there's the whole, I don't want to get attached. I would counter that with um, I think it's really important for these children and teens to see healthy um, emotions and healthy attachment and to learn um, what that can be, um, even if you're just in that child's life for a moment. Um, you know, studies have shown that consistent healthy attachment actually helps heal trauma. And so look at it that way, that you're doing some really important work to healing Um because in my life, consistency played a difference. And um, it was just the last three years in my teen years and it made a world of difference. And um, when a lot of other people probably thought I was just a lost cause and it was too late, um, but I would encourage you to be uncomfortable, to, to step outside of what you think that you want in this foster care thing um, that you're looking into. Um, and then I would also say that, um, if you are a Christian and you're listening, you've already been instructed by the Lord in God's Word on what that you should be involved. Um, and so I would pray about that and see what um, what's something that you're supposed to do.
2: That is powerful advice. I could not say it any better than what you just wrapped that up in a for <laughs> So, um, you have obviously done some advocacy work with doing some articles and being interviewed, and I think I saw on social media, you now are a board member for I listeners. am, I so am, I wanted to give you the opportunity to plug some of these areas that you're, yeah, about. absolutely, so
0: I, um, I actually started speaking right after I left Foshcare. I even moved back to TBHC to talk to your caseworkers, and, um, in chapel. I don't even know if you still have chapel, but, um, but, uh, for those who've been around a while, TVC, you know, um, but, um, so I've done that, um, just advocating and speaking out, but recently joined unsalted, which is an organization out of Tarrant County that helps young women who've aged out. They help, um, 19, 18 to 20, 24, 25 year olds, um, who have aged out, they help them, um, they work with them, get their driver's license, all the things that we, you know, what I struggled with when I aged out, and they also um, will help them, they have guides that come along and work directly with them, so then they're basically, they're bringing the relational aspect to the youth who've aged out, so that it's not so lonely, and then they can connect with people and have support. Um, I think it's, it's something I'm really passionate about because I live it. Um, but there's many organizations who are doing other things other than just foster parenting is not your thing. And you're like, oh, I can't, I can't do, I can't be a foster parent. Um, there's plenty of things. You could be CASA. You can't, I know there's a huge need for CASA workers. Uh, respite care, you know, foster parents need support and encouragement. Um, and so respite care is another way. I know that <laughs> you're taking your head because you know it's, it's such a need. Um, and then I would also encourage people to um, just bring a meal over or, ba- you know, do clean, help clean their house or yes. just all the things that you would think of. This is the way I say it is when someone has a newborn baby, everyone's so willing to jump in and do all the things.
2: It's the same way for foster care. Be willing to jump in and do all of the things for them as well. So, Absolutely. Those are great ways. Um, I am just so proud of you like I said it's been so amazing to watch you bloom and unfold from being a 13 year old Jessica to now this brave one young woman willing to share your story and be this big advocate and so I'm just I just love you and I'm so proud of you (laughs) thank you so much for joining us today
1: and for sharing your bringing kids home story thank you I'm happy to to be here Thank you for joining us. If you would like to get in touch with today's guest or any of our previous guests, you can contact us through our email, podcast at tbhc.org. That's podcast at tbhc.org. Leave us a comment, recommend a guest to our show, and give us a five-star review wherever you listen. And don't forget to subscribe. For more information, check out our website, tbhc.org, and discover how you can participate in bringing kids home.